Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome. You're listening to The Glitter Boys. Hey, NPC, you're a game master. I do that from time to time. Yes, yes, I do. In fact, you like that side of the screen. I, who told you that? Uh, I have listened to you say that. <laughs> I don't think you could polygraph, you pass a polygraph claiming the other. <laughs> oh, oh, dear God, no. no. <laughs> My God, man. No, no, I could not. I, too, am a game master. And uh, today I'm here on Glitter Boys to pick your brain about a problem I've run into many times over my game mastering career and get what your take is on it. Mass combat. I don't do it. Oh, it's complicated. It's a pain in the butt. Really? Well, okay. Let me let me let me rephrase that. My approach to mass combat is the big combat happens the way I feel like it's going to, and the only thing I do is focus on what the players are doing. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, what qualifies as a mass combat for you? Because we're talking about a you know thing like the podcast's called Glitter Boys. I mean. So many of the vehicle stats for the coalition tells you exactly how many dead boys are going to be piling out of that sucker to, you know, do you up if you manage to somehow burst a tire on their APC or come roaring out of the Skullwalker or if you're playing with Triax, exactly how many goddamn body armors are showing up in the squad <laughs> and how, uh, how do you do that? <sighs> God, that just makes me cringe. <laughs> I love all of those things, but when you throw all of them together in a big scene, I'm like, oh, dear God, the math. Mm -hmm. So I think the better question is, Jacob, mm -hmm. how do you do it? Well, so I've, I've, I've tackled it in many different ways. I mean, as someone who runs the uh, less popular palladium games like how are you supposed to run ninjas and super spies without suddenly a room full of mook ninjas showing up to wreck your players shit you know of, of all the games side note of all the games that should be savage worlds i feel like ninjas and super spies is the one you know like because it's martial arts mm -hmm. it's it's not just martial arts it's slapstick martial arts you can tell by the fucking cover of that book. It's slapstick martial arts. And thus you expect a shitload of mooks. That is like the one thing Savage Worlds does better than Anybody. any other system out there. With the possible exception of Feng Shui. Feng Shui. Well, okay. <sighs> See, that's you're that's cheating. <laughs> no, that's not cheating. That's fair. Bringing up Feng Shui. It's, it's just, I mean, God. Well, I'm going to call the bus. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> no, but 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 Savage Worlds does mooks so well mm -hmm. that you would be like, why didn't they just do a savage version of Ninjas and Super Spies? It seems like a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. No, you're you're absolutely right, and they never actually have. They've they've you can pull a couple things together and make it happen, but they it never put it in one spot. But going back to the main 
question, which is how do you handle large-scale combats? If you look especially at rifts in specific, you're in a world, like, even if you put the Tolkien war with the Coalition off to the side, there are so many large-scale combats going on. Look at what's going on in the Vampire Kingdoms. Look at what's going on with the Coalition Navy. Look at what's going on in, uh, you know, the Japan. And there are so many in the background large-scale battles going on in, in comparison to a single party fighting, like, six to eight guys. My interpretation of all of what you have just said in the past... This is a sacrilege. I'm sorry, folks. But my interpretation of that, the presence of those things in the books Mm -hmm. has never been, and we expect you to fight them. Like, here's the coalition army, and we expect you to fight against it. Or here's this description of this town where 5,000 vampires live. Here's an invitation to fight them. I've never made that connection. My brain has always been, okay, 5,000 vampires. That means people should avoid it. Mm-hmm. Avoid it at all costs. This is a coalition army. This is everything that they can do. That means we should avoid it at all costs because from a lot of the fiction, and I think it's even like stated in several of the books, warfare of the Rifts era is small unit tactics. Like, why you, you frequently you don't need to send in the army. Mm-hmm. The presence of the army is a deterrent, and its mobility is a rare exception. It's something to be feared, but most of the actual like frontier warfare is like maybe a robot and ten guys kind of thing. You know, you you say that, but it makes me sound like you've never dealt with player characters before because the first time I had to deal with large-scale combat in rifts was I was foreshadowing what the players were supposed to be heading off. And I described it as two spider skull walkers, three of the coalition APCs escorted by two Samus pilots. Only two Samus pilots? Only two Samus pilots. That was your problem right there. It should have been 22. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I, I defaulted to a reasonable amount of aerial cover. That's true. (laughs) And my party of third and fourth level players went, okay, we're going to take them on. It's like, no, don't, no, no, this, I I have telegraphed to you that this is a runaway situation or observe at a distance situation and you have to get into it. Okay. And so like on a, on a, and that's even a small scale for what I'm thinking about for large scale combat. But when you actually sit down and think about the stats you're having to juggle for that sort of thing, even though you have a, a glitter boy and a combat Borg and a leyline walker and I, I oh I, a city rat <laughs> that was the party. Let me tell you, that was a fun party. It got real complicated real fast because you're tracking so many characters, so many movement phases, so many things, and so I had to figure out how to simplify things down real fast and on the fly. It was difficult. It was difficult. What was difficult? Well, I mean, it's so many stats and stuff to juggle. And if you're not prepared for it, 
and you your your players kind of accidentally back you into a corner by well being murder hobos who think they can take on the world. Uh, I, I fundamentally agree with believe that one of the first rules of Palladium is your characters are not sacrosanct, and I will kill them at the drop of a hat if you do something stupid. <laughs> so you got me thinking of how would I have approached that situation, and there's. I've got options in my head, and a lot of them are rooted in the variable, the very number of variables. First variable is, did we have a discussion in session zero about what this campaign is going to be about? Uh Did that discussion involve uh, a statement of the characters being larger than life superheroes who could take on armies? If not, and next variable, the players now, for some whatever reason have decided that they are characters who can take on armies, despite us not having established that, do they persist or back down? Okay, now, if they persist, well, what you can do in a situation like that is embrace it wholeheartedly and say, look, we're going to put this fight off till next time. Mm -hmm. And in between this session and the next session, you set up each, every one of the combatants on the other side. And then, like, you know, I've got this long table. It's a six by four table. You can fit two people on each end and two, if not three people, if you want to sit really close to each other on the sides. I would sit at this table and rotate my position so that I am taking up an entire long side where I would have a series of notepads where Mm -hmm. I'm going to be tracking everything, including hit points, ranges, damage dealt Mm -hmm. and then we'll sit down i'll position my players in initiative order something closely approximating it and i will say it is time to go we're gonna roll this out i imagine in three or four rounds they're toast Mm -hmm. and that is literally what happened but Mm -hmm. it was such a huge lift at the time because I, i had to run it on the fly and that was super challenging Despite the fact having done it prior to that in Robotech, there was just something about Rifts and all the complications that Rifts introduces to things that made it a little bit more challenging. I find it's super easy, especially with 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 a lot of the big bads and major forces in Rifts, where y- you can really reduce a lot of vehicles and characters down to a what's important stat block absolutely 100 percent agreed even not in mass combat that's how i do it yeah yep no it's and in mass combat that's super important the there's also the flip side and that's telling the stories of things like the coalition tolkien war and things like that and where there's these some of the few times there's a very large battles in the, you know, Rifts universe or uh, the coalition's attempts to take down some of the DB hives that um, Northern Gun is dealing with. And Ooh, the Zitikix. Yep. I don't ever try to pronounce or their Zytikix name. Or Zytikix or or however the hell you pronounce it. I just say Zitikix. I or, guess that's how I learned it. Or if in your alternate history of riffs, uh, Archie decides he's got a bug up his CPU and decides Literally. to ter- turn loose uh, <laughs> the robots to smash up some, uh, some small town and your heroes are in the way 
What if Archie opened the door to where the bugs from system failure came from? Yeah. But only after he had hardened his systems against them. Oh, yeah. Archie would do that in heartbeat. He's crazy <laughs> enough. Oh, my God. I want to run this campaign now. Sorry, I've derailed the conversation. <laughs> well, funny enough, part of the where I was going with that is um, one of the points uh, for a, shall we say, slightly alternate history riffs that I ran was the Triax Civil War. The players really wanted to play with the new Triax book. They had a lot of characters based out of the Triax book that they really liked, the Jaeger power armor and stuff and all of that, you know, with its beautiful what amounts to MDC C4 launchers. What I ended up doing for that one for background information is that MindWorks which is, I, I don't know if you guys have covered it in the We podcast. haven't gotten there yet, okay. but I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, MindWorks is to Triax and Europe what Archie is to North America in a lot of ways, except... Uh, the Angel of Death. The Angel of Death. The crazies. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but so much of MindWorks is about capturing people and screwing with their minds and bodies what if that starts happening to a large section of the Triax military, especially their upper echelon? And that was how it went down. But that then booked me into a corner where you had large-scale combat going on on the reg. And I, to get around that, I defaulted back to in any major battle that the player characters are in, there's two different ways to approach it. Are the player characters in a position to decide the battle or are the player characters in a position to experience the battle and have their characters grow from the battle in some way? And I mean, growth can be a lot of different things like post-traumatic stress disorder becomes a reality and stuff. But when you decide those two between those two, you can run a lot of a large scale combat off to the sides, making reference to what's going on around them. But what's really important is what's the next charge coming at them? Or how is uh, their beachhead landing affecting things? And the player's success or failure can tip the battle if it's a deciding battle for them. Like if they successfully break the lines and or or turn the flank or whatever in a battle then you can narratively shift things going on rather than rolling dice if they're like we're holding this trench to the last and the battle is just something that's happening to them which is not a bad thing necessarily there's a lot of good storytelling where you were the the final people holding out until even you couldn't hold out and then you retreated with everybody else as Matthew frequently refers to it as the last guardians of the gate. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's as much storytelling in being the forlorn hope going through the wall and breaking open the citadel for everybody behind you as there is for being the one who makes sure everybody else gets safely across the river. And in both cases, you can chunk mass combat up to what's immediately affecting them. 
when you do that, you can cut it down to smaller units. For instance, when my players attacked that decided to for, go insane and jump two spider skull walkers, a bunch of transports, and two Samus pilots, while I initially got overwhelmed by that and was dealing with juggling all these stats and stuff, I suddenly realized it entirely didn't matter because so much of what was going on would end up not affecting them directly because all they know is the two Samus pilots zipped off to the West because they're running recon to make sure that this isn't a, uh, the fix of a fix and hit attack <laughs> where there's suddenly a large group going to be piling into them from the West while they have their backs turns or something. The stats of individual the individual coalition dead boys did not matter. All I needed to know was uh, roughly what their two hit was. And if a major system went down in a vehicle, they tried to pull out because, you know, what you lose your armament, you're not going to sit there and try to stomp to death a glitter boy. Uh, you know, if you suddenly go to half armor on your main hull of an APC, why the hell are you sticking around? At that point, you're figuring out how to run, you know, in simplifying things like that and thinking about morale. And that sort of thing. Like, what is the mission objective point of your bad guy patrol for sticking around and fighting with a bunch of hobos who just happen to have a glitter boy with them and pulling out? It, it, it Sometimes it's cinematic to have the opposition die to the last man spitting their blood in your face uh, in a Rifts game. It often is. But also, when it comes to mass combat, Especially when you're dealing with the coalition where a lot of the people are draftees, get the heck out of there the moment the wizard starts popping huge spells. You got me thinking about how a better answer to your original question of how do you handle mass combat now that I've listened to what you're saying and processed it, comparing it to how I actually do it and how I actually do things. I don't consider mass combat so much as management of factions so let's let's pull back to the high level here and in that high level you've got an opposing force that is going to do a terrible thing at least that's what we're going with we're going with terrible thing an opposing force is going to do a thing a thing you do not want them to do there's a game called apocalypse world that <laughs> that i I remember reading back in the day its use of a mechanic that it called fronts and all threats in the game, all things that had some kind of a damaging agency were represented as fronts or essentially like, you know, an inevitability that is moving slowly forward. And whenever you develop a front, the enemy army is attacking is a front, but you can, you can anyway, I'm not going to go into how to do them. Go read Apocalypse World. It's pretty good, actually. Fronts affected the way that I developed my games. Well, my games, my my campaigns. Mm-hmm. Whenever I come up with an opponent that has a large amount of agency in a setting, I mentally build it as a front. And whenever it is putting forth machinations of any kind, I write an inevitable event or an inevitability if unchecked this will happen 
And then I work backwards from there. All right. He's moving his forces forward. This is going to happen unless somebody interferes. Mm -hmm. There's no randomness to this in my mind. It's always, this will happen. Tolkien will get steamrolled unless the tables can be turned somehow. And that unless means unless the player characters do something. Right. So let's shrink that down from the grand scale to a battle. This battle will turn out this way unless the players do X, Y, or and or Z. Mm-hmm. Even if we bring this down to a, a, a small unit fight, and by small unit, I mean two spider skull walkers, uh, some landers, and uh, a couple of Samus. I would open that fight the way I ultimately do things by having decided its outcome already. Mm-hmm. And then we'd play through some rounds of combat but I'm not going to determine the entire battle by actual Palladium combat. I wouldn't do it in any role-playing game system. I would instead use its mechanics to showcase a few moments of that fight. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll start with the opening and then we'll see what the players do. Okay, cool. Then we're going to cut over to another moment and then see what the players do. All right, cool. We're done with that. We're going to move forward a little bit because these are clearly overwhelming odds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some narrative freedom. I'm going to stop after this round. We're no longer rolling. And I'm just going to say some things that happen. Kind of like a cutscene in a video game. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're fighting against the boss or something. You whittle it down <laughs> and then cutscene happens. And now you fight a different incarnation of the boss. There's no mechanic for that. You just got to hand wave it. Yeah. And then finally, focus is brought back to the player character. Okay, cool. Now we're back to combat rounds. Yeah. No, I, and I totally agree with that. If you're dealing with players in the midst of a combat that is greater than anything they can directly impact, whether it's because of the size of the front, the size of the factions involved. If you're on the you know front, to- front lines of the Siege of Tolkien, only a small part of it is going to affect you. You may see other parts of it, but only the part in front of you is going to matter. What NPC is talking about of having the narrative written in your head for how things are going to go is definitely good. The, the, the one thing I would add in there is you can always, always, always as a game master call an audible and go, the player's performance was so good or so poor that it changes that narrative. And that's where I was getting back with the talking point of like, if it's something you experience versus something that you can impact. Sometimes situations are such that no matter how much a party can do, uh, all they can do is be the heroic last stand. But then there are other times where I've literally written mass combats where if the players can break this particular aspect of the fight, like if... You are the Irish regiment at the stone wall as Pickett's charge is coming across at Gettysburg. If you actually have what it takes to blunt it, then the battle can swing and lay that out and give the players agency to affect the overall situation. 
especially if you can telegraph without uh, flat out telling them how important it is, you'll get some great role playing out of people. You'll get people who will like do everything to protect their characters from harm. Suddenly like putting it all on the line because they know they can affect this greater thing. Make sure that they know that always tell them the odds. Even if they're Han Solo, they still need to hear the odds. Always tell them the odds in a situation like that. One problem that I see many game masters having is that, oh, the players will do something that they didn't expect them to do, and then they'll just sort of go with it and take it in another direction, and then it will end in a way that nobody is satisfied with because nobody communicated. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that can be avoided by basic communication skills with your players, and in this situation, one of those skills dictates, folks, we're reaching a point where you are clearly outmatched and outgunned and the inevitable outcome of this is X, which is bad for everybody. I want to let you know, you have zero chance of making this happen or there's only a 5.005% chance that you can do it if you roll really well or if you come up with some really good ideas. I just need you to feel the sense of desperation that's happening in this moment. You're fucked. Mm-hmm. But... But there's a slim chance mm-hmm. that fucking will have some really good lube. Mm-hmm. And that might be the folks behind you getting across the bridge in time. Exactly. Or it might be you swinging the thing. Uh, a couple other just quick things I've done, especially with riffs over the years to simplify mass combat. When you sit back and look at how riffs as a combat system works, especially when you're dealing with mega damage weaponry, So many things operate in a factor of 10. Yeah. And just, I I cannot tell you how many quick stat blocks I've had of things where I've literally just divided everything by 10. And every time the player characters did 10 or a meaningful substantial percentage of 10, a bubble got checked off of that quick sheet. And rather than doing math on the fly, it's like, okay, you did 20. That's Two bubbles, bang, bang. And it speeds things up a lot um, for my record keeping because who really cares if that spider skull walker had 30 MDC left? I mean, it was a any anybody who is driving that spider skull walker who returned to base with that in there better have a good explanation for why they pushed it that far. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I can agree with that. Definitely. When it comes to situations like this, my advice is almost never one that leans into math. Mm-hmm. So listeners have, hopefully you've come to expect this from me by this point, that if, if we're talking about how to handle X or how do Y, mm-hmm. my, my answers are almost never going to be involving math. And mm-hmm. it's always going to be, how do I lazily go around that so I don't have to do it? If there's a thing that that I find frustrating in a game, if there is something that I find intimidating or an obstacle to fun play, I will go out of my way to find ways to not have to do it. So that is the advice that I have to offer you, which is if you were approaching from mass combat and you don't already have in your mind a method of how to do it, my advice is to not do it and find ways that you can 
hand wave it. Find ways that you can get past that thing to get back to the style of play that you're more comfortable with, mm-hmm. that you have more fun running. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and if you're coming at it from the player side, because I want yeah. to talk about this very quickly from the player side, mass combat is actually a time for non-character, non-combat characters to shine in combat. Oh, yeah. Suddenly, your ability to summon rain becomes super important because mud slows down armies. Suddenly, your uh, rogue scientist who's got all of those weird electronic skills that never, ever come up can suddenly figure start working with their stuff and figuring out if they can start jamming transmissions and screwing up C3 command for an enemy unit. And your rogue scholar, who is one of the few people alive in whatever century you decide to set rifts in, that has read Sun Tzu's Ancient Art of War, War. you can suddenly bring back some kind of dramatic adage from that and Mm -hmm. have it apply in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be afraid of mass combat. Honestly, it's just when you need to call an audible because you need to get stuff set up, do the audible just like NPC suggests. What does that mean? Call an audible? Yeah. Uh, That means you're changing. So call an audible is a sports term. Sorry, I'm a sports baller person. (laughs) That's why NPC, uh, you know, the fact that NPC still (laughs) tolerates me is still amazing. Um, But calling an audible, it's the, the full term is calling an audible on a play. It comes from American football. It means that you have gone onto the field and lined up with a plan and at the last minute the quarterback sees something on the field that is different than what they were expecting and audibly calls a different play than the planned play american football i just do not understand so uh on that note any final words are we good i think we're good i mean mass combat think about it it's actually a great element for storytelling. There's a lot of great stories that can be told there. Don't be afraid of it. Just on the fly, simplify, 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 and make sure your players understand the stakes. Was that Thoreau? Simplify, simplify, simplify. I think Henry David Thoreau. Oh, quite possibly. Maybe. I, I, you know, I mean, David Henry David Thoreau was a tax evading little idiot um who was annoying as hell to his neighbors so i don't really pay attention to much of what he wrote apparently he had some good quotes (laughs) (laughs) okay you've been listening to the glitter boys we wish to invite you to come on discord and join us for some conversation Uh, if you want to kick us a few bucks through our tip jar link in the show notes my co-host matthew has been having some hard times thanks to a car accident Anything's appreciated. We understand if you can't. Just keep listening. Drop in. Say hello. See us on Discord. Join us for games. Play some Valheim with us. I'm addicted. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) NPC's track marks are deep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yep. See you next time. See you next time. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. 
Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. 